Destination Medicine is a collaborative initiative of regional training hubs. With first-hand lessons learned from those who have gone before, this podcast is designed to assist and inspire anyone interested in pursuing a medical career in rural and regional Australia. Welcome to Destination Medicine. I'm Peter Letts. At the age of nine, Associate Professor Karen Fielding announced to her parents that she'd be a doctor. Now a visiting medical officer at Wagga Wagga Base Hospital, she's also currently president of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. Professor Fielding's professional journey is a fascinating one and includes a detour to Paris, where she trained to be a pastry chef. Professor Fielding starts by describing her idyllic childhood to Nicole Goodman. My family migrated to Canada when I was six years old, but prior to that, I'd spent most of my childhood on my grandparents' farm in Goolagong, which is near Young in central New South Wales. And I was always intrigued by the anatomy of animals, and I was engrossed helping both my grandparents dissect the sheep and the chickens and the turkeys on the farm. And then we moved to Canada, and my parents taught in small rural communities. They were both teachers in the 60s when teachers were being recruited to Canada. And I really loved living in rural and loved doing rural things like camping and canoeing and things like that. Right. That sounds idyllic. That's amazing. (laughs) It wasn't veterinary science for you, but human medicine? I guess that was the beginning. And then I was quite keen on medical programs on television. We first got a television when I was about eight or nine years old, (laughs) back in those days. And I was very keen on MASH and the surgical side of medicine. So I think, yeah, we didn't have pets at home. Pets were things that you had outside. You had dogs outside. You didn't have them inside when you came from a farm. So, yeah, I guess that's why I was more interested in humans and and in animals. Right, right. So what else was it that kind of made you realise that medicine is definitely what you wanted to study? Look, my parents said that I started talking about being a surgeon when I was nine. And so I, I sort of stuck to that right through high school. And then when I we came back to Australia in grade 11 and I went to career guidance at Dapdo High and told them I was really keen to be a surgeon and I did the tests and they said that I should think of a career in nursing. My marks weren't good enough to do medicine. But actually, I thank them for that because that really helped me to work very hard to get into medicine, which I did. Oh, good on you there. That proved them wrong. That's That's right. Proved them wrong. That's right. (laughs) Did you ever undertake a rural placement during your course? Oh, absolutely. I had multiple placements in Wagga, a Wagga Wagga Base Hospital, as a junior doctor and then throughout my training. Wagga gave significant hands-on experience, uh, great teaching, great supervision, and it still does. I did do some elective terms overseas and at the end of medical school in Toronto at the Hospital for Sick Children, and in Paris at the Institut Gustave Roussy, which is a very big cancer hospital, I did a term in breast surgery and reconstruction there. But really, I think it was the time in Wagga that made me think rural was good. And then the bonus was that I actually met my husband in Wagga. He was on secondment from St. Vincent's in Sydney as well. And he was a real city boy from the North Shore, but he really loved the terms in Wagga. And it was generalist medicine, so he got to work right across the spectrum of medicine or surgery, not just one, you know, super specialist. So I always make a joke of I didn't become a left great toe surgeon. I was able to work across the spectrum of orthopedics. So 
<laughs> that's particularly interesting for me. But yeah, that that was really the the reason that meeting Joe here and and doing lots of terms, I think, was the was the clincher. So then your current role, how do you describe exactly what it is? Oh, gosh. Well, look, I'm wearing multiple hats. Obviously, I've been a visiting medical officer consultant at Wagga Base Hospital and Calvary Hospital Riverina since I finished my training. So that's since 1992. I've been a training supervisor for registrars studying orthopedics. I've done research through the University of Notre Dame. I've taught right across the spectrum from medical school right through to advanced training in surgery. So I had an academic appointment with Notre Dame University and I had medical students in my rooms nearly every day and they come to theatre with me and just love inspiring the younger generation. And then I worked with New South Wales Health at the Health Education Training Institute or HEDI for the last nearly 20 years, involved in what we call the pre-vocational space, which is the junior doctor's before they get onto their advanced training program. And I've been heavily involved with them for many years, setting up programs for them and trying to mentor them and help them through what is quite a difficult pathway to get into specialist training. And I've done a lot of teaching in trauma, which I do for the College of Surgeons. And then I was very honoured to be elected to council at the Royal Australian College of Surgeons seven years ago now. And I'm very honoured to be the president of the Royal Australian College of Surgeons at the moment. And I'm actually the first Australian female to hold that position and the third woman. And the college is 100 in 2027. So that is, for me, fantastic to see that we're starting to change surgery. I was the third female orthopod in Australia and the first in New South Wales. So hopefully I've helped to change the face of surgery in this country. Really important for women and people of diverse backgrounds to be able to do this job. Yeah, I dare say. Yeah, it's only taken 100 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's very slow, but look, we're, we're really beginning to change things now. But yes, it has definitely taken way too long, you're right. Yeah, a huge achievement though. What, a, what an absolute milestone. You also do happen to have things that you enjoy outside of work. What's that? Well, apart from the travel bug, which I have big time, I actually love to cook. And mm. I got a bit of midlife crisis when my I have four children who are all very capable young adults with multiple degrees, and I'm very proud of all of them. But when they flew the nest and I was home alone and uh, feeling a little sad, I tried to decide what would I do that I would really enjoy doing without the children at home. And so I decided to go to Paris and to learn to be a chef properly. Wow. Yep. And I did three attachments at the Cordon Bleu in Paris, three six-week attachments, and I got my hat as a pastry chef. <laughs> that is incredible. Well, very privileged to have been able to afford to do it. And I can tell you at the beginning when I first did it, I used to do lots of cooking and I had quite a, a large group of clients that would come and buy my produce. But since becoming a counsellor at RACS and the presidency, I have had to put the cooking a little bit on the back burner, as you said, Annie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. COVID was good for the cooking because during COVID, you couldn't sell your produce. So I actually taught myself how to make handmade sourdough. So oh, of course, like so many did. Yeah. That's right. So I have a little following of people who buy my bread. So that was fun because we had done bread at the Cordon Bleu, but I hadn't really 
spent a lot of time practicing it. So, yeah, I'm a regular baker. <laughs> right. And in fact, isn't there the Karen Fielding patisserie in Wagga? Yes, yes. When I'm not so busy, I usually have a big run at Christmas and do Christmas cakes and Christmas puddings and lots of biscuits and French pâtés and things like that for people that like to buy my stuff. And at Easter, I do massive big run of hot cross buns. But during the year, I'll, before the college got very busy, I would do crock and bushes for 50th birthdays and things like that, celebration cakes and things like that. But I'm not a regular cake maker. I'm a, a pastry chef, like I like to make tarts and mousse cakes and things like that. A trained cordon bleu chef, <laughs> uh, director of surgery at Wagga Base Hospital, president of the oh, Royal it. Australian College <laughs> of Surgeons. It's quite astounding and, and says so much about dedication, focus. It's just wonderful. And I'm sure your patients and even the doctors under you just absolutely thrive under your knowledge, under your tutelage. Well, they enjoy it when then I'll call and I bring a cake for morning tea. I can tell you that. <laughs> they're always asking me, oh, hey, Prof, are you bringing morning tea this weekend? You know, so I do try and spoil them a bit and I do make them cakes and biscuits. And my patients are quite funny because I, I love to make jam, so confiture in French. And so I have a little jam production business and I have my jams on the front bench in the office. So <laughs> There you go. Uh, just a little side time, you know. <laughs> a bit of a side hustle. We've all got That's to have right. one. That is amazing. So tell me, what was your second choice for fellowship training and how did you decide? I actually tried quite a lot of things. In those days, we did undergraduate medicine. So we were quite young when we qualified as doctors. I was only 22 when I became a doctor and we were very green. You know, we really didn't know anything about the world at that age. And so, uh, look, I was very fortunate. I did a 12 months in the cardiothoracic with Victor Chang before he sadly passed away. And I uh, did some neurosurgery and I did some plastic surgery and I actually thought I'd like to do plastic surgery. And I did spend a couple of years doing plastic surgery and tried to apply to their program and wasn't successful. In those days, there were very few plastic surgery training positions in Sydney. It was a pretty small specialty. And the last time I applied for interview for plastic surgery, the older senior surgeon said, oh, Karen, you better go to England and get some more experience. You're too young. And I think I was 28 or nine at the time. And I'd met Joe and we were thinking maybe we would have a family. And I thought, oh, I really don't have time to hang around and do that. And so I was pretty disappointed. And my one of my girlfriends was going out with a quite well-known orthopedic surgeon who heard that I had become disillusioned. And I was working at Ride Hospital as the plastic surgery registrar. And he came out to Ride Hospital with the application forms for the orthopedic training program and convinced me to apply because I was very interested in hand surgery and sort of microsurgery at the time. So I applied and I thought it was a bit of a joke, frankly, because there'd never been a female orthopod registrar in New South Wales. So I applied and got an interview and I got on. <laughs> so wow, it wasn't my first choice. But in retrospect, you know, I'm actually really glad I did orthopedics. It's a fabulous career. You can change people's quality of life so much when they can't walk or they have pain in their limbs or their back. And every single day I have someone incredibly grateful for what I've been able to do for them. So, uh, And there is quite good evidence in the literature that people who choose a particular career path and they get something that's similar but not exactly the same are actually very happy and have great job satisfaction. So I say that to my trainees, you know, don't get too fussed if it's not exactly what you want, you'll be happy in the end. Because at the end of the day, the job is about helping people and you can do that. So I'm very happy with what happened in the end. 
Mm, that is wonderful. Wonderful. Tell me a bit more about the pathway that you took to fellowship. I think I was about PGY8, quite a long way along the line when I got onto orthopedics and then got onto the orthopedic training program, which is the south side of Sydney, which is sort of St. George, Prince of Wales. We went out to Northwest Hospital, Wagga, were hospitals in that network. And the first year I had was at St. George and was a very unpleasant term. And the first day of my training program, I went into the skills lab at St. George Hospital and the surgeon that was supposed to have me for his term walked in and said, I don't want the woman. So that was the beginning of my pathway in orthopedics. And that year was pretty unpleasant. That was the year Gemini and I got married, 1988. So I was a bit unsure about whether I would be happy. Didn't really enjoy that year at all. And then the second year I was at Concord Hospital and there was an absolutely wonderful professor of orthopedics, Professor Robin Hicks, who was very innovative bioengineer and orthopedic surgeon. And he really mentored me along and helped me pick up my mental health, I guess you would say, and got me back on the trajectory. And then I came to Wagga and I'd always had a great time in Wagga. And one of the registrars that we worked with at the time said, Fielding, just keep a lab profile and you'll get there and it'll be fine. <laughs> so I, I did actually change the way I dressed and the way I looked at that stage when he gave me that advice. Because in those days, I was a bit of, I guess you'd call it an emo now, but I had, you know, mm. spiky black hair and I only wore black clothes and lots and lots of earrings and wow. safety pins and things. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I kind of toned it down and got the corporate wear out. And then I kind of just slid through the trajectory. I spent six months in Portland, Oregon. So we had a term of pediatric orthopedics in Portland and my husband did a fellowship in toxicology. He was doing emergency medicine at the time and that was fantastic working in estates. We had a great time there. And I did another term in Wagga and I did a term at Prince of Wales, which was okay. There were some comments about being female and they could never remember my name and things like that. Yes. Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. Most, yeah, surgeons that were, you know, like that are pretty well all retired now. So it is definitely changing compared to what it was. We still have lots of problems with bullying and harassment of junior doctors, and we still need a lot of cultural shift in medicine. It's not just in surgery, it's pretty well right through medicine. So it's really important that people like me speak out and support our younger doctors and make people aware that we're not walking past that sort of behaviour anymore. So I don't mind talking about it because I think it's important to call it out. Absolutely. And as you say, with people like yourself leading the charge, things have to change. And it's wonderful that they are. Absolutely. And then I sat my fellowship exam. I was actually the first orthopedic registrar to sit the fellowship. I think it was nine weeks pregnant, but I didn't tell anyone I was pregnant. There was a bit of a history of people going out for a flashing dinner when you pass your fellowship, because it's a big achievement passing your fellowship and it's quite a difficult exam. And we went out to a fancy hotel in Brisbane and everybody had this sort of silver service dinner and I had a piece of toast under my cloche <laughs> because I was not feeling the best and the glass of water, you know. But no, it was great. And the surgeons in Wagga asked me to come straight back. My husband got the job here as the director of emergency and they asked me to join the practice. The two senior surgeons were older gentlemen who had been great mentors of mine all the way along. And so we came straight into practice and the rest is history. What do you think are some of the benefits of choosing to work in medicine in a rural environment? 
One of the unforeseen benefits for me has been my involvement in the rural clinical schools. We didn't have rural clinical schools when I came to Wagga, and it was very difficult to recruit to rural unless people had had a lot of experience in rural. And we do know that time in rural is much more likely to provide doctors to rural people who come or work in rural for extended periods of time are more likely to stay. And I think the biggest benefit for me has been the teaching in the rural clinical schools and the opportunity to do rural research. And rural research can be targeted to rural people. Rural people have different needs to uh, metropolitan-based people. And so that's been a huge benefit. I've been involved in multiple projects in rural research to do with osteoporosis, to do with rural training that have actually benefited our local population. So the other thing about living and working in a rural environment is work-life balance. I have one set of traffic lights between my <laughs> my house, my rooms and my two hospitals and uh, I could put the kids on the bus, take them to school, get their lunches ready and still go and be in theatre in time. So I spend very little time commuting, very, very small amount of time and even if I have to go to Sydney or Melbourne for meetings, I'm still travelling for not much different time to my colleagues that live in the city when I have to catch a flight because the airport's pretty close to town. So I think that um, work-life balance is really important, particularly for our younger generation. It's really important for their mental health and it gives you the opportunity in rural to do other things and to have extracurricular activities. We like to go camping up in the snowy mountains. We like to ride our bikes. I try and have a bike ride every second day and I think that would be really difficult in the city. What advice would you give to a JMO considering a career in this particular area? My advice to a junior doctor who is interested in surgery would be to try as many different types of surgery as they can and not worry so much in the very beginning of their career to get too focused because I think we do end up on a trajectory sometimes. For example, you might do a neurosurgery term and think that's the only thing for me. In fact, we don't need a lot of neurosurgeons, but we need a lot of general surgeons and there's lots of areas there where there's actually availability for training spaces. So don't be closed-minded, be open-minded, get some good broad experience. All the surgery that you do is good experience. It helps you to look after a multitude of different patients with different conditions and think about working in different areas, so metropolitan, regional and rural, because each of those areas will give you a different experience. And dare I say in rural, you'll get a lot more hands-on experience. And my other piece of advice to JMOs would be make sure you have a few mentors and don't be afraid to ask someone. You might feel a little bit nervous asking a senior person to be a mentor, but it's invaluable advice. And I can tell you, I had very senior mentors that were examiners for the college and on college council. And those people have been some of the best mentors of my whole career. So please don't be afraid of that. And finally, Karen, are there any particularly memorable moments in your career that you perhaps would like to share with us? <laughs> well, I think I've talked about quite a few of them, but I'll just tell you about seven salamis and five packages of homemade Italian sausages that turned up in my rooms about three weeks ago from a lovely man who I uh, did a hip replacement on about three months ago. And he was so happy he was back on his feet to make his salamis and sausages. Oh, bless him. <laughs> what do I do with seven salamis? But um, it was very sweet. So I was able to give all my staff a salami. <laughs> So there's this thing like that that happened and it's like so beautiful, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, that's the kind of thanks you're looking for. That is just divine, divine. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Associate Professor Karen Fielding, a VMO at Wagga Wagga Base Hospital. 
and President of the Royal Australasian College of Surgeons. This is Destination Medicine. Thanks for listening. Regional training hubs are supported by funding from the Australian Government under the Rural Health Multidisciplinary Training Program. 